Progressive presents an interview with your upstairs neighbor. My name's Barry. I live right above you. I don't host parties. I host after parties. They're like parties, only louder and nobody goes home. You can see right here I ripped out all the carpeting because it was holding me back with my pogo stick. Man's got a pogo. Oh, I'm a prankster. I'll grease up a soda can and then when somebody grabs it, boom! <laughs> Progressive can't save you from your upstairs neighbor, but we can save you money when you bundle renters and auto insurance with us. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. HD Smartcast. You are listening to a Live Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hello and welcome to another brand new chapter of uh, Mint's Pivot of Perish series where we discuss and debate the key transformations that businesses in India are undergoing as they emerge from a very unprecedented crisis. And today uh, we discuss the heart of the Indian economy, as we know, the MSME sector. The sector, we all agree, there's a lot riding on it and its performance in the next foreseeable future will decide the course of the Indian economy in more ways than one. So please, uh, and also joining me in this show is my uh, co-host and my colleague Madhurima Nandi from Mint. And and our panelists today are Mr. Dr. Marshad Forbes, co-chairman of Forbes Marshall, Mr. Deepak Jain, President Automotive Component Manufacturers Association, ACMA, uh, Ms. Harvika Shah, who is founder and CEO of Kinara Capital, uh, MSME, which is uh, MSME-focused uh, NBFC, and Mr. Kamal Khan, Regional Vice President, Salesforce India. And joining us is Managing Director of uh, Thank you, everybody, for joining us. It's a pleasure and a privilege, like always, to have uh, an esteemed speakers on the show. Uh, before we go to the broader questions of the economy, which includes liquidity crisis, the demand situation, you know, the supply situation, and so on and so forth, you know, the SME sector, which which it faces. Uh, but, uh, but but let me just first go to the first question, uh, the initial question, the China situation. I'll, I'll, I'll start with Mr. Forbes. A uh, lot of conjectures, a lot of apprehensions right now. Uh, there is, you know, there are simmering tensions in the border. How do you see this panning out? And if it actually takes a turn for, for the worse, how is it likely to impact the sector? So, you know, it's uh, one can understand the emotions involved. Uh, we we see this, I think, correctly as uh, an act of great aggression, uh, as something that needs to be pushed back very forcefully on the military side. Um, but we should, I think, keep in mind that uh, uh, we need to win. We don't necessarily need to be right and be seen to be right all the time. So we should keep in mind what the numbers are. The numbers say that uh, China is our second largest trading partner. As our second largest trading partner, we export around $15 billion a year to China. Uh, We import from China around $75 billion a year. Most of these $75 billion of what we import are manufactured goods. And these are manufactured goods, very often consumer goods, uh, that get consumed, bought by Indian consumers. So if you look at what's happening in these days, I mean, you know, today, yesterday, uh, we see delays taking place in consignments coming into the country. We see extra inspections. We see a move to shift, let's say, 
the traditional pork that is used for goods that come in from China, Chennai, uh, shifting it to the West Coast. Um, we should keep in mind, what is, the, what is this going to achieve? It may make us feel good, but will it actually achieve anything substantive? And by delaying imports, uh, do we benefit ourselves uh, or do we just feel good about causing trouble in the broad area uh, of, uh, uh, of, of, a, of a country that we see um, correctly, I think, as uh, an aggressor? So I think keeping that in mind, instead of saying that, look, you know, how do we win? Uh, we should, I think, target our actions around that. And if we say, how do we win? Yes. Can we diversify our sourcing away from China? We should. Can we do it overnight? No, we can't. Can we do it over the next couple of years? We probably can. So how do we go about doing it over the next couple of years? where the first that any Chinese manufacturer discovers that we're actually moving away from them is when they don't see orders. We don't need to announce it and be seen to be doing it so visibly. Uh, otherwise, that will, I think, only end up hurting us ourselves. No, I agree. That's a, that's a very valid point. Uh, uh, let me go to uh, Deepak. Deepak, um, so Jan, so what do you, how do you see this uh, panning out? You know, there is obviously a question of national interest you know, our, our strategic goals to attach geopolitics and then, of course, this immediate situation that a lot of small companies continue to face if there's an overnight problem of, you know, imports uh, being stopped or, you know, being made difficult, it puts a lot of smaller companies in a very, very tight spot. Yeah, so I think I will completely agree with what Mr. Forbes said that I think we have to balance the emotions and the economy. And let's talk about the component manufacturers. We are a very integrated supply chain. Uh, we actually would have about four and a half billion imports coming in directly from China, which is accounting almost for one fourth of what we actually import out. Now, these are components where India does not have currently the manufacturing competence. And probably because of the scale, uh, we have gone to China for sourcing. And the component industry is so, I would say, theorized as well as integrated, that one supplier stops, the whole actually um, industry would stop. And hence, I think there should be no knee-jerk reactions to China. Uh, I personally feel that we must continue our journey of Atmanirbhar and self-reliance. Uh, the component industry, the auto industry, has actually led the beacon of Make in India. 50% of the manufacturing GDP is actually done by the auto sector. So I think we must have some measured approaches. Uh, we must play to our strengths and see where we can balance it out. Uh, currently, we do not probably export that much as a sector to China, but we have to see that in a global front, China also is an extremely big market. Uh, so currently, I think we should not have any knee-jerk reactions and probably see how we can support sustainable supply chain and production lines. Let me just jump in here for a quick second. Um, so, as uh, as was mentioned, I run a NDFC last mile distribution um, that is focused on the MSME sector. Our average loan size is around three and a half four lakhs. So, most of our customers are under the sub one crore segment, and 50 60 percent of them are micro manufacturers. 
we did a customer sentiment survey during the lockdown to understand what is it that they are feeling. And a lot of the worry at that point was, when is the lockdown going to be over? What will my revenue stream look like? Will I have the orders to, to work on? But now, as lockdown is finished and with all the China stuff that's going on, the number one thing that when we are actually doing a refurbishment, what we are finding on the ground is 70 to 75 percent of our customers, our micro enterprises, are actually concerned about the availability of raw materials and availability of product because a bulk of this does come from China. So we have we are essentially, you know, wearing shocks on top of shocks to the micro enterprises that as was mentioned really are the engine of the economy today. Hadika, I have a quick question for you. Um, you know, you mentioned business sort of inching, uh, you know, towards normalcy despite the disruptions. Um, so, you know, obviously funding and, um, you know, fund infusion uh, into the sector remains a key issue. So, uh, you know, have NBFCs, have, uh, you know, fintech lenders, have you all started uh, sort of disbursements or are you all still waiting and watching, uh, you know, given the, given that MSMEs have been asking for emergency fund infusion? Yes. So uh, the answer to, uh, to Inara Capital story is that we are not yet disbursing. We plan to start next month. Our original first during the lockdown, the large part of what we were trying to do is assess the ground realities and figure out our own cash flows. And there has been a huge amount of chaos and confusion and attempts to try to have liquidity measures put in place for mid-market NBFCs like Kinara Capital. However, we have, to be honest, fallen short of that at so many levels. So unless we have access to capital ourselves, it is very hard to support the micro-enterprises to our, even our own customer base so that is uh, that money flow starts happening. No, I'll, I'll just come in on that. So we, Mr. Seti has joined us. So he's the MD of SBI, one of, you know, one of the MDs of SBI. Uh, you know, SBI, he will be in a better position to answer about the whole money flow. Uh, we have to obviously go to the NBFC sector as well. But before we do that, I want to go, quickly go to Kamal. Uh, so technology has never been so important, right? You know, right from credit appraisal to, you know, uh, to see, you know, where, uh, you know, the, your, what is the end use of funds and so on and so forth. How do you see yourself sort of uh, being, you know, being the key enabler in the current situation? So for, you know, I think technology is a journey for any organization, uh, which is which is clearly what organizations have to uh, look at uh, in terms of, you know, you, our current customers are going to be under a lot of uh, stress financially. I think uh, with the moratorium and all of that, that is there. Uh, there is an expectation that, uh, you know, uh, the payments probably not coming from our uh, respective uh, customers from an MSME standpoint. So that's that's definitely there. So it's it's important for us to look at new channels uh, in terms of where we can source, uh, you know, newer customers because absolutely during disruption is where, uh, you know, we create new industries and we know that the PPE industry has just become 10,000 crores in uh, two months, right? There are industries like education as a sector has completely boomed on technology at the front, you know, keeping, uh, you know, how we are delivering that tech, uh, that's that's clearly there. We are also seeing uh, a whole lot of other uh, industries doing really well. So it's for uh, organizations to look at how they can, uh, you know, probably pivot themselves, look at going there. In fact, one of our customers who is into making play equipment, uh, was a play equipment manufacturer for, uh, you know, uh, for apartment complexes, for hotels and so on, they, they basically stopped operations for the time period and have 
completely pivoted towards making uh, you know PPE equipment with whatever raw material they have, and they really looked at that to raise capital and kind of keep uh, you know employees going, and that required a lot of reskilling and uh, upskilling of their own employees. So that's that's something um, I'm you know I'm hoping all uh, MSMEs would really look at uh, using this occasion. Thanks, Kamal. Let me let me go to Mr. Forbes now. Uh, um, so we have a viewer question actually coming in. So, so do you want to know if for the government intention to support so before the three lakh crore package announcement for the MSME sector? Uh, you know, uh, of course, it's still unfolding, and uh, you know, details are still awaited in certain segments. Uh, how much do you see that has actually impacted situation on the ground? I, I have some, you know, some some research which which you know there is on the on the on the, on the current situation. Uh, so one particular you know market research says that sixty three percent of the enterprises have not approached a bank for any additional funding, and of the thirty seven percent that did, only less than a third managed to secure any funding. I I don't know if this is something that you are also noticing on the ground. So you know it's. When the package was announced, uh, the package was announced, as you know, uh, towards the end of May. And in a sense, the problem with the package for MSMEs was the delay in announcing it. Uh, we went into the lockdown uh, two months earlier. And in that period, a lot of MSMEs, I think, came under a great deal of stress and really had challenges in meeting obligations, meeting salary expenses, and so on. Uh, many of them came into the entire lockdown and the at the end of March uh, in a stress situation itself. And I think the MSME program that was announced, the loan guarantee program, was actually a very sensible program. It's the right way of going about doing things, which is to do it through guarantees. Two problems with it. One is the speed with which disbursements will happen. And second is the rate of interest that ends up getting charged. The rate of interest uh, has not been pegged. And even though interest rates have come down, that banks pay the RBI, uh, that transmission has not taken place to onto uh, small, small industry, particularly large industry too, but especially small industry. And there's actually no good excuse for why that transmission hasn't happened because these loans are now being provided, the incremental loans are being provided with a government guarantee. So if they're being provided with a government guarantee, then the risk premium should go away. So what is the basis then for having a spread of 5% and 6% uh, on interest rates, which end up being amongst the highest spreads in the world? So I think there's a there's an issue there. Uh, there's still a lot of caution on the part of banks in expanding lending to MSMEs. Um, it's starting to move. I think every week we're seeing more momentum build. Uh, but the challenge is really one of timing. You know, by the time it actually happens, uh, every week's delay ends up with more MSMEs actually getting into getting into trouble. And as they get into trouble, they do more and more things out of desperation. So I think addressing the timing issue and addressing the interest rate issue uh, is quite fundamental to what we need to do. If we really wish to see the MSME program that was announced have the benefits that was intended. So thank you. Amit Seti has joined us. Uh, Madhurima, before you go to your question, I'll, I'll, I'll quickly bring Mr. Seti in. 
let him i i if he has heard the supports uh, sir your comments uh, on the whole uh, you know differential between what rbi is charging you and what you are charging the customer and that is perfect for all things yeah hello everyone i think uh, you all you all can hear me out yes, yes. sir we can yes we can me too i suppose <clears throat> i think uh, first let me address what i think uh, naushad was mentioning in terms of the transmissions uh, this is one area probably uh, there's a lot of uh, misconception in terms of what is the transmission which has happened and which was supposed to happen i think fundamentally structurally you have to understand in indian banks and let me give first perspective on what sbi has done for instance there have been 13 rate reductions from january 2000 uh, starting from april 2019 when the repo rate cuts have happened and uh, we have reduced the rates of interest in tandem with repo we have two kinds of interest rate products one is uh, repo linked loans what we call external benchmark linked loans and then you have what is so called mclr loans we have passed on to the customers 100% of the repo rate reduction under the eb what uh, the external benchmark linked rate and as far as the uh, mclr rate cut is uh, concerned two third uh, of the benefit which is given by the repo rate reduction has been passed on to uh, consumers so that is at the micro level of sbi if you look at the macro level different banks have uh, done the different rate cuts essentially how much they can uh, pass on and what is their ability is also largely determined by their asset liability composition and uh, traditionally banks in india have 90% of the liabilities coming from deposits which you are all aware that the transmission of the interest rate is instant in case of loans but in case of deposits which are largely fixed deposits cannot be repriced so there is a lag so this lag results in certain amount of uh, you know the delta between what repo rate cuts happen and what is the rate of interest which is passed on this is on the transmission front and as far as the uh, one product which i think nashad uh, was talking about the guaranteed loan guaranteed loan i fully agree with him there is no capital because rbi has said that you know you don't have to maintain the capital so absolutely there is no capital cost on that and the risk premium is virtually you know not should not be there because it's fully guaranteed so with that uh, two points which are available for the guaranteed emergency loan which is rolled out under atmanirbhar let me tell you that we have committed to the government that this rate of interest from 1 july would not exceed 7.5 by all the scheduled commercial banks so 7.5 i think is a uh, is a good pricing which uh, uh, which is significantly lower than what uh, today smes are getting from the market yes there is a slight higher premium uh, if borrower is a nbfc uh, is borrowing from the nbfc for special reason that nbfcs also have a significant borrowing cost because their liabilities generally come from the borrowings so having said this uh, i fully agree with the fact that the credit is an important input for msmes and smes 
and accessibility to the credit and affordability are the two important things which determine whether credit can actually help it. Either if it is too expensive or too difficult to get. I mean, it doesn't serve the purpose. I think uh, rightly pointed out uh, by Nashaudan Bank. So this particular guarantee credit, uh, uh, you know, enhance uh, this emergency credit line which is rolled out, addresses both these aspects in the sense that since it is guaranteed, there's no reason for lenders to be risk covers, number one. Because it is guaranteed and there's no capital charge, it is affordable uh, pricing at 7.5 is given. And as he also mentioned that there is a huge amount of involvement of all the lenders to make this product available to the MSME borrowers. Today, we have done in SBA alone around 3.5 lakh MSME customers have been given this loan. Aggregating almost 17 to 18,000 crores sanctions have been given. On the aggregate banking basis, almost 75,000 crores worth sanctions are already given. That means, you know, the banks have understood the importance of timely availability of credit to MSMEs. I think to that extent, uh, it's a very good sign. I'm not saying that everything uh, as far as the credit to SME and MSME is hunky-dory. There are definitely structural issues in terms of affordable credit and accessible. Those are my preliminary remarks. But there is a big third pocket here that we should discuss, right? Which is that the very last mile distribution to the MSMEs today, a big portion, a huge portion of that is done by NBFCs. So unless that pass-through happens through the NBFCs, the MSMEs in the last mile will have a hard time accessing. While SBI has done a fantastic job with such a large quantum, it's a drop in the ocean to what is needed right now for the MSMEs to survive this crisis. You want me to respond? Sorry, you you want me to respond? No, no, absolutely. Okay. So I, I, I think um, I, I forgot. I mean, I was not there during introduction. You are a hardy guy, right? I sure am. Sorry. Yes, that's that's right. I am Hardika. Ah. So uh, Hardika, I think uh, you rightly mentioned NBFCs in the last three years have become very, very systemically important. When I say NBFCs, NBFCs, MFIs, the whole gamut of you know the uh, last mile credit providers for two obvious reasons. You know, when uh, the large banks were going through their NPA crisis and pain, these are the people who had actually provided the capital to the needy people at the ground. But we must also understand much of that capital was provided by the banks themselves, right? Today, the largest portfolio of any bank, if you see, the single largest portfolio would be on the NBFCs and MFIs. But ILFS crisis had dented the confidence where what people have had in the NTFCs. We fully understand in SBI, and I think the government also very clearly understood the importance of NBFCs and MFIs to the uh, last mile connectivity to these borrowers. So a couple of uh, programs which they run in terms of partial credit guarantee, uh, you, your TLTRO, which is now defined that, you know, at least Smaller MFIs also should get as part of this TLTR. Whether all of them are getting, whether they're getting right away, I think it's uh, it, it, there is some time lag, but there is absolutely uh, no confusion in the minds of the banks, at least large banks like SBI and the government of India, that these institutions, NBFCs and MFIs, have to be protected 
sustained to see that the economy survives because they are they are very significant players so i, I don't think uh, there is any difference of opinion on that hardly just wanted to clarify things that's it kamal on a different note i wanted to ask you um you know the msme sector in india in general you know is characterized by low technology penetration uh, how does a company like salesforce uh, you know how do you all plan to address this uh, and also as a technology provider uh, you know what what are you ensuring or what did you ensure to sort of maintain you know business continuity uh, during the during the whole crisis period kamal then um well i think there is a i think there is some some technical issue uh, there uh, uh, we will get in kamal but before that let me just quickly go to deepak uh, um uh, so the situation uh, on the ground has it really changed in the last few few, few weeks uh, as the lockdown has eased demand continues to be a big concern for everybody uh, also for the banks you know on what basis do you do credit appraisal uh, are you seeing things change on the ground uh uh that's my first question the second one is the entire cost competitive question you know aspect of things do you see msmes really becoming cost competitive without you know there are certain demands from the sector you know uh, for interest rate waivers you know subsidized electricity and so on and so forth so without these things really being sort of added to you know uh, to help the sector do you see them becoming sort of uh, you know uh, reviving uh, in the in the way they everybody is want them to so i think uh, in the component sector i think currently there are three big challenges cash labor and i think the third is the raw material you know these are the three major challenges we are grappling with uh, to have sustainable production runs and of course amit says you know auto sector has been one of the worst sectors probably in the top four sectors globally as well Uh, you know we can't fathom that you know you're getting out of a lockdown and the first thing you're going is to buy a vehicle uh, so definitely there are some green shoots we can see and we can see the green shoots wherever the government has actually given uh, let's say a direct benefit transfer so i talk about the agriculture space and the agro i mean say the farmer has definitely got better into and obviously the covid is not there so much in the rural areas and he's going there and buying actually tractors the tractor sales have been quite stable and robust so i think these will be the challenges which we'll all have to face with especially in the manufacturing where we are looking at cash labor as well as availability of raw material uh, but i think going forward what we really need to focus upon is actually demand creation um, you know if i compare it globally you know um, people the governments have stepped in to actually enhance consumerism give the confidence to get demand generation we can talk as much as we want on msmes um, you know but msmes will always be talking we're running against time it's going to be 3 months 6 months but if demand doesn't kick in you know if we actually don't uh, incentivize demand uh, then i think we are actually going to grapple with this problem and a much more severe problem kamal on a different note i have a quick question for you um you know the msme sector in india in general uh, you know has always been characterized by sort of low technology penetration so um, and you know how can technology be a game changer and as a company uh, salesforce how do you all plan to address this in terms of you know tech upgradation or r&d and, and other fronts 
So uh, if I have to give you a few numbers, right? We 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 all know that there are 75 million SM, MSMEs in this country, of which we're talking about uh, 12 to 16 million literally having some kind of an online presence, which is on social media, which is on Facebook or uh, of some sort. Five lakh domains have been, you know, uh, web domains have been registered in this country, but 50% of them are not even, you know, active, which means we've got only about two, two lakh, uh, two million, uh, you know, MSMEs who have a website today. So that's, that's precisely tech penetration that we are having. And clearly what we are seeing, at least in the last four, uh, four months as an organization, is there is definitely a lot of, uh, you know, anxiety. One, yes, there's a lot of support, but also, uh, you know, MSME is realizing that there is a need for tech. Now, is tech something, it, it, it's definitely not, uh, you know, about uh, apps or social media or anything. It's about, you know, goals and it's about, you know, processes and sense what they really want to do. And it's a journey. Now, in this journey, what Salesforce really helps is finding new channels, finding new customers, you know, so basically helping you find new customers. At the same time, helping your customers win in terms of being more compassionate with your customers in terms of taking that journey, who are going through that pain, being able to connect rather than, you know, really sell to them. And uh, finally, keep them to give you a complete 360 of uh, whoever our customers are, how much ever small they are. And all of this running it from your phone, right? Uh, you, you basically can run all of this from your phone, making it as simple as possible for an SME to use it because you can't give them, you know, something that's rocket science. You need to democratize it, give them that tech. And that tech, tech could be, you know, cloud computing or that tech could be artificial intelligence, but giving it right in their hand, making it very simple for them to get started and use it. So that's, that's really what Salesforce has been leading and uh, we really uh, look at uh, helping SMEs like that. And that's, that's clearly what I think we would come out of this in that way. Right. Now, I will now go to a viewer question. Uh, this uh, this question is for everybody. Feel free to answer. The viewer wants to understand if there is a disconnect between a branch level official and uh, and an MD of, of a large bank like SBI. I will start with Mr. Petty and I'll go to others. You know, is there a problem? So, um, <clears throat> there is definitely a problem. I think uh, it, it would be uh, inappropriate on my part to say that uh, there is uh, no problem at the branch level or operating level. There is absolutely an issue. Over a period of time, what happened? When the SME and SM, MSMEs have started having a lot of sick units in the last four or five years, it is not only COVID, I think even pre-COVID also they had their own challenges. So there has been a lot of issues at the operating level, whether they should actually finance them or not, number one. Number two, I think over a period of time, many of the banks started focusing on the uh, so-called retail loans, housing loans, car loans, uh, consumer loans, which are fairly easy to handle, right? It is most of them are digitized products, end-to-end -end solutions. So whereas uh, lending to an SME or MSME requires a lot of engagement, a lot of involvement, a lot of hand-holding. I think uh, bank branches found it difficult. Uh, a lot of us, you know, the senior officials who have started our career uh, funding the MSMEs, 
that the same thing was not available in the current generation of officers and the you know uh, operating people who are at the branch levels so this is what we call the, there has been a disconnect between the operating people and the small and medium scale industries which actually look for a lot of hand holding from the bankers so this has resulted in even a simplest msme product not being delivered in time even if you have a loan against property or in a simple overdraft uh, you know there are a lot of horror stories that people have to go for 30 days 45 days around the bank this was a live mint production brought to you by hd smartcast hd smartcast i'm any apple and i'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series raising april it's the most intimate sports related conversations you will hear each week we explore the journeys of some of your favorite nfl players through the eyes of those that know them best from joe burrow deandre hopkins Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Bosa, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app.